Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it. It doesn't matter. I see you over there messing with your uh, um, necklace. Did you break it or something? No. Okay, I just saw you twirling it around and you had this look on your face. Fidgeting. I'm just fidgeting. But remember that also throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. You may be asking what that is. And that's a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, You may be asking yourself, how can I get my hands on that? Well, it is fairly simple. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. You go to the site, you put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge via USPS to your front door. Once again, to get that retirement rescue game plan, how about this recession retirement rescue game plan? All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so... um. Onto the show. That's um, R cubed, by the way. Retirement, recession, rescue. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Math nerd. Yes. Um, so uh, here we are. Um, um, we're on the precipice of Halloween. That's right. The precipice. And uh, are you doing anything for? Uh, did you do, did you do anything this weekend? Uh, I guess the Halloween parties would have been either Friday or Saturday, and then of course or Sunday or Monday. 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 I mean, no one's having a Halloween party. It's on Halloween. No, that's when you actually go trick-or-treating. No one oh. is going to go to parties. Um, to parties. I mean, that's I guess true. you could have one, but you got work the next morning. So yeah. it's not like it's a Super Bowl when everybody parties and then calls in the next Takes day. Monday off. And plus that's on Sunday. So, yes. I mean, so anyway, yes. so you're saying no. No, you did not. I did not okay. go to any parties, no. Are you going trick-or-treating or are you too old for I that? I might. I'm just sure. kidding. I am too old for that. Um, when's the last time you went uh, trick-or-treating, trick by the way? Gosh, probably like... How old were you? 13. 13, maybe? 13. Yeah, is that yeah. too old? I don't know. No, I was, um, I think I was 16 or 17. Okay. Um, I was one of those, me and my friend, we were one of those obnoxious yes. Um, yes. kids that come knocking on your door. Um, Get that side eye because everyone knows driving, you're too old. Driving up to your door <laughs> and jumping out with a half costume on. Yes. And um, all, you, all you're wearing is a hat. <laughs> yes. It's your Halloween I, costume. It was sad. I mean, when I, when oh. I think back on it, I'm just... It's uh, not one of my prouder moments, but uh, we had fun, though. Did your mom not give you candy or what? Oh, we always give candy out, but, you know, you got to no, get give more. You, oh, okay, okay. You got to go okay. out and get more. I Obviously, mean, what, if everybody, yeah. Everybody's parents would give them candy. There would, there would be no Halloween if that's, if that's, that's your true. logic. You're that right. makes no sense. That's true. Why do um, we do that? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, let's uh, get to uh, some Money Matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right, um, so we haven't done this uh, segment in a while, but uh, we've had uh, um, you know a few emails come in with you know all the stuff that's that's going on in the economy, in the market. It has people um, 
people nervous, uh, people scared, um, and our, um, if you go to warrenwealth.net, <clears throat> if you go to that site, there is a an Ask Marcus button on there. You can click that Ask Marcus button, and basically, you're basically sending me an email, so to speak, and we get those uh, questions, and we uh, answer those. And so we got... Uh, um, questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, all of the above. Actually, yes, we sure do. So let's uh, jump into some of these emails. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. All right, first question today is from Oscar. He is in Louisville, and he says, I'm planning on retiring, or Louisville, or however you say it. Just kidding. He says, I'm planning on retiring at the end of this year, but now I'm nervous. With the recession and the crazy stock market, should I just put my retirement savings in cash? Um, okay, Oscar, that's a... Uh uh, a fair question because I've been getting a lot of that. People are scared and they are saying, should I just jump out the market and park my money in cash? Especially because interest rates are going up. So you can get a little better rate on savings these days. Not a lot, but a little better. And so, um, oh, and then uh, congratulations. You said you're retiring at the end of the year. Um, that means you're transitioning from that accumulation phase into the distribution phase. Now, once you do that, it is a whole different ball game. Um, uh, so to answer your, the short answer to your question should be no, you shouldn't convert all of your retirement savings into cash. Um, however, since you are retiring, that first one to three years of retirement is the fragile three years of retirement, meaning that um, you will need some short-term cash to fund that retirement. So the short-term money uh, that, that you'll need to spend. And when I talk about short-term money, it's money that you're going to be taking from your retirement accounts, Oscar, um, for your living expenses, for your lifestyle, whatever you're going to be doing, traveling, whatever that may be. And so that should be basically in some cash-based investments, um, savings, CDs, maybe some short, short-term bonds, things of that nature that you have access to. And it's not going to go anywhere. And it's not susceptible to the ups and downs of the market. Um, uh, simply because you don't want to um, have to pull money out for your living expenses while the market is going down. And so um, I know a lot of in our workshops, we, we talk about the um, uh, sequence of return risk, basically meaning that when someone retires, depending on if you retire into an upward moving market, your money uh, can last a lot longer than if you retire into a downward moving market. And so to kind of combat that, a good place to put cash-based investments um, is the money that you're going to be taking out short-term to live on. Now, you plan on being in retirement 20, 25 plus years, and so you still do need to have exposure to the market because over the long term, the market generally tends to move up and it keeps up with inflation. And so, um, just like I said, um, to answer your question, Oscar, that's a long-winded answer. Your short-term money for your living expenses, that one to three years, yes, that should be in cash-based investments. The rest should be at least in some growth investments where you can beat inflation and um, have a happy uh, retirement where you have peace of mind and you can relax and do whatever you need to do. All right. I know that people always um, get scared when the market's – been the way it's been this year, yeah. a lot more so than when the market's going up. Uh, there's, you know, a lot more joy or a lot less joy in comparison to the fear that happens when the market goes down and that causes some of those emotional decisions to occur. I'm glad Oscar's asking, you know, for 
some advice, taking a step back, trying to think about it a little bit before he takes some, makes some uh, rash un- yes. decisions. By yes. the way, that everyone makes. That's why the average individual investor never does as well as the general market because they let those emotions take over. Yes. Fear and greed. You can't do that. Um, but yeah. they tend to do it. And um, going to cash now, you're basically locking in your losses, right? You're locking in saying, hey, I've, I'm taking the, all these losses. And you talked about this at an earlier um, client event that we did. You're going to be living 30 years plus in retirement, which yep. is a long recovery period. You're still a long-term investor yep. when you're retired. And that's what people tend to forget. Um, there are a lot of different quirks and, and things that, that happen during that distribution phase and in retirement. But at the same time, um, it's not like you take uh, all your eggs uh, off the table and, and go home and, and put it in your mattress. No, you're right. You are still a long-term investor because you're going to be living another 20-plus years in retirement. So you have to think of the things like that. Um, let's, uh, let's do another. One more? Okay. Next question is from Drew. Drew's in New Albany. He says, the Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates, but inflation is still high. Why aren't the rate increases working? And when can we expect inflation to slow down? I want to know, too. <laughs> um, don't we all uh, want to know that, uh, Drew? Um, yes. You know, of course we do. Of course we want to know when we can expect inflation to slow down. Unfortunately, no one has a crystal ball and no one really knows. And basically what inflation is, inflation is when too many dollars are chasing too few products. And, you know, we are feeling the effects from uh, the stimulus packages that, that came in um, uh, for, for, for COVID and things of that nature. Um, supply chain issues, which are uh, short, uh, which has uh, disrupted the supply chain. And that's why we have these few products uh, that are out there. And, of course, we have all these, all these dollars that are chasing that. And so that's why we saw that. That's why we've seen inflation shoot out the roof. And so a way that the government or the Fed can combat that is by raising interest rates. Now, it's not an exact science. Uh, actually, it's more art than it is science. And so basically they're throwing, uh, they're trying to raise rates, throwing a bunch of stuff up against the wall to kind of see what sticks and what slows down uh, the economy enough where it doesn't push us into a recession. However, we are going towards a recession or basically are in a recession. And so they're going, we're going to have to see, and they're going to have to play this, this balancing trick to see, you know, what happens. And, you know, I would expect another rate increase um, you know, when will inflation sh- uh, slow? You know, I don't know. And, you know, speaking of, um, you know, well, it's already slow. I mean, it's still high, but it was at 9%. And now, you know, inflation has is, is, is been down uh, about a percent and a half. So it's right around eight or so percent now. Um, and they do expect it to, uh, I guess, when the numbers come out next month or whenever they come out, they do expect um, inflation to be down um, even more. But as these rates go up, rates and rate increases, by the way, are fantastic for savers. Um, uh, just like we talked about earlier. Um, right now, uh, cash-based investments, CDs, things of that nature, you are starting to see that you can get some decent rates. And I say decent rates, you know, two, three, four percent sometimes on, on some of these CDs and, and cash-based investments, which uh, they weren't that beforehand. So they're good for savers. Unfortunately, um, we don't really have a lot of savers here in the U.S. Most people's most people are consumers, um, and so how do increased rates affect consumers? Well, credit card rates go up because interest rates are going up. Auto financing—if you're trying to get a, a car now—you're going to find that uh, those low rates aren't 
there uh, anymore. Um, just to give you an idea, um, at the start of this year, uh, the average interest rate for a new car was 3.85%. Today, now we're looking at close to six, five, five and a quarter, almost six. That goes up. Mortgages. Let's talk about mortgages. Early 2000, early this year, rates were around 3%. Now they're over six. And that is why you need to be more of a saver than a consumer because all of these things go up and it can put people in these precarious, precarious situations. And that's, by the way, how things slow down. Um, when interest rates are higher for houses and cars and your credit cards, what do people tend to do? They tend to not purchase stuff on their credit cards and they tend to not get that car or not get that house. And that slows things down. And that's the way it works. And we'll see, you know, how, how this plays out over the next six months or so. But uh, there you go, Drew. I wish I knew when it was going to be over, but I do not. But uh, we're going to answer some more emails uh, here in the next segment. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we'll answer more of your emails. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. So, um... This is Justin Timberlake. What? Yes, with uh, Chris Stapleton. This is a Say Something. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) This came out in 2018. All right. Different sound for JT. Number nine in the U.S., number nine in the U.K. Okay. You know, not bad. He uh, took a little country uh, feel to it. Yeah. Well, it is Man in the Woods. Yes, that's the right. Album Man title, in the Woods. Yeah, that was Man in the not, Woods. Maybe not a great one. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your recession retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and you will get a rescue game plan that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk you got. To protect your hard-earned money from the IRS, once again, go to warrenwealth.net. All right, so um, we had uh, left off on, uh, I guess, some of these uh, emails that we received. So let's continue the emails. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. And for all the listeners, you can go to warrenwealth.net. Net. Click on the Ask Marcus button if you do want to send us a question, a comment, a concern, a criticism, some feedback from a story that we did. Again, that's warrenwealth.net. Click on the Ask Marcus button. We promise not to read, or I don't know if we'll read all of them that they send us. Oh, well, no. I mean, we'll no some only, of them. Only the good ones. Some oh, people okay. send stuff. Oh, yeah. And by the way, any criticisms, anything like that, send that to D's email box. Okay. Not uh, warrenwealth.net. Mm, all gotcha. the criticisms, mm. uh, uh, trolling, all of that stuff can just be yeah. directed to D. Okay. Anyway, Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Next question today is from Carla, who is in Crestwood. She says, a good friend of mine told me to buy I-bonds, but I've never heard of those. How do they work? And should I buy one? Whew. Okay. Um, so, um, Carla, um, you know, I-bonds are, are all the rage right now. Um, well, I don't know about all the rage, but I've been uh, getting a lot 
of questions over the last uh, few months about I-bonds. And basically what I-bonds are, they're inflation-protected savings bond. Um, and the rate is based on inflation. And they are uh, issued by uh, the government, meaning that you cannot get uh, an I-bond from a broker or, or um, some advisor, anybody like that. It has to come directly from the government. I think the website, some direct. TreasuryDirect.gov. TreasuryDirect.gov. Uh, so right now, as of this recording, I-bonds are currently paying 9.62%. That sounds fantastic, right? But remember, it's based on inflation. And also, when something sounds too good to be true, there probably has to be a catch. And let me explain uh, the catches, so to speak, when we're talking about I-bonds. So it's based on inflation. Right now, it's 9.62%. And that's pretty much going to take us all the way through tomorrow. Right. (laughs) And then it switches. And then it's going to drop down. I think it's going to, I think they came out with, around six, six, six and a half percent or so, which is still good, by the way. Um, and so the first, uh, the first catch is that you're not getting like that 9.62% annually every year for the length of the I-bond. By the way, let's talk about the second catch and let's talk about the length. Now, I-bonds and these savings bonds are issued in 30, for, for 30 years. So the holding period is 30 years. That's how long you're supposed to hold it. Now, you can't redeem it until after year one. So, yes, you're supposed to hold it 30 years. You you necessarily don't have to. You at least have to hold it for one year. Now, if you decide to take that money out um, after that first year and within uh, five years, you have to pay or you owe three months of interest back. All right. So I hope that made sense that generally they're, they're issued for 30 years, but you can technically take it out after the first year. And if you do it within five years, you're going to have to pay some of that interest back. Okay. So that's the first catch. Um, uh, Another one, just like I talked about is inflation rate changes every six months. So as the fed and the government is trying to combat inflation and bring it down, if you were lucky enough to get it at 9.62%, you got that for a good six months. Now it's going to ratchet down to around six or so percent, and then we'll see where it is uh, the next six months. And so by the, by the time you know it, if we get back to our historical levels of inflation, then those bonds are only going to be paying around two and a half, three percent 3%. So that's the catch. Now, let's talk about the, the biggest one here because we just had um, Oscar in the last segment who, mm-hmm. who, who sent an email um, and a question and said, should I take all my re- retirement savings out and put it in cash? And so I have asked, I've heard and, and gotten the question, Marcus, should I, these I-bonds are paying 9.62%. Should I take my, all my money out and put it in an I-bond? And here's the biggest catch. And you always have to think of this in regards to the government. When the government comes up with something that just sounds fantastic, right, or too good to be true, there has to be some sort of catch. Remember, when the Roth came out back in 1994, that was fantastic. Tax-free growth. Tax-free growth on your investments. That's just fantastic. Let's put all our money in that. Stop right there. You can't do it. Why? Well, you only can put, at the time, it was like $4,000, $3,000. Actually, it was around $3,000 annually that you could put into a Roth. And now the Roth is still around. 
40 some odd years later. And the most you can put in each year is up to $7,000. And that's if you're over 50. And by the way, if you make too much money, you can't put anything in it. And so now let's tie that back into the I-bonds. I-bonds, fantastic. 9.62%. Fantastic. Can I put all my money in there? No, you cannot. There is a limit. And how much is that limit? That limit is $10,000 per individual, period. So that's all you can do. $10,000 $10,000 per individual. So if you're in household, you can have one, your wife can have one, you have a whopping $20,000 in that I bond. So they do limit what you can put in it because the rates are high right now. And I really, it's probably always been that way, but they don't want it to get out of hand because most people would take that money out of their retirement accounts or their investment accounts and try to put it in to get that 9.62%. Or even if it dropped down to six and a half, it's still six and a half percent guaranteed by the government. That would be fantastic. So should you have an I bond? Yeah, I think it's a good spot to put. If you have $10,000 to put away 5,000, you just have to understand that it's not a, it's not an emergency fund. That's not what you're doing it for because technically you have to keep it in there at least five years unless you want to pay that interest back. So Carla just hope, Hopefully, um, you know, I shed some light on what these I bonds are. And if you need more information, of course, you can uh, reach out to us. Go to warrenwealth.net and we can help you out. It's funny you mentioned people um, wanting to take money out of their retirement accounts to put it in these I bonds. I did actually see a question. Um, somebody asked, should I take money, $10,000 out of my IRA and put it into the I bond? The answer is no. Right. The answer is no. You have to think about, I know that when times of uncertainty, people get emotional and then there's something that's, oh my gosh, this is paying 9.62% when the market's down 20, 25%. How do I get in all all in on this? But you have to think about the impact of taxes from taking money out of your IRA. Our lowest tax rate is 10%. So you want to pay 10% to get 9.62%. It oh. does not make sense. And it's even worse than that because the only reason you want to jump out is because you're like, okay, I've lost 15 to 20%. So you're locking in that loss of your 15 to 20% because the, the stock markets were in this bear market. The, the market's down really a little over 20%. So just let's use 20%. So you're, and, and, and let's use $10,000. So your $10,000 is now $8,000, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? I can't take it anymore. I want to take my $8,000 out of my IRA or your tax deferred account. And you pull that money out. And now that $8,000 is now going to be taxed and say it's, it is 10%. Say you're in that lowest tax bracket and say you take it out and it's taxed at at 10%. So now you're going in there. um, That's $800. So now you're going in there with $7,200, putting that into an investment. That's going to get you 9.62%. 9.62%, 9.62%, and I don't have my cal- calculator for that. It's right on under $800. Seven, on $7,200. Oh, right under $7, $720. Right, so, <laughs> right, so you're going to make $700 that first year. Not even that first year, that first potential six months, because then it drops after that. So don't make these rash decisions based on some fad or things that you're hearing or you're on your Facebook groups or whatever it is. You have to take into account so many other factors. And that's, by the way, that's what's have that, that what. The benefits of having a good fiduciary or just someone who has, if you're working with, with, with a good advisor, those are the questions that you should be asking them. And hopefully they're good enough that they're able to lay out um, the logical, um, mathematical uh, answers to your question and can take that emotion out of the decision to just 
take a big chunk of your money out of your uh, uh, IRA, pay taxes on it, your IRA that's already down, pay taxes on it, and then put a lot less into an investment that's not going to get that interest rate moving forward. So, um, you know, just there's uh, there's so many things that, that go into um, your retirement planning, even just financial planning in general that people don't think about. And I know, D, you're always on those uh, – you see a lot of those message boards because, um, you know, you, you uh, facilitate a, a few of them but to, to hopefully, because really what it is, the blind is out there leading the blind. Yes. And you are trying to be the proverbial seeing eye dog. Mm. Uh, you know, take that in the spirit of what's in the, I'm not calling <laughs> okay. you a dog. You want to okay. be the seeing eye person. Yes. To help shed light so you can guide people in the correct yes. direction because, it's funny because you always talk about how some of these questions and then the answers that, yes. that they'll get mm. are like yes. just totally Like you said, bogus. blind leading the blind. Right. And especially when people really don't know your full financial situation. No. Yes. You know, just blindly make telling, giving their opinions based on either what they did or what they think they know, but don't know. Yeah. And it ends up being just, I'm, I just shake my head and I'm like, I hope these people talk to a professional instead of taking advice from strangers on Facebook. They're not. Unfortunately, they're not. All right. Um, wow, that was one question during that whole segment, which means we have some more emails. So uh, coming up next, we'll answer more of your emails. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Wow. <laughs> so... This is the Beach Boys. This is. Yeah. And it's um, Kokomo yes. is the song. Mm-hmm. Not Kokomo, Indiana, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's not about. what they're talking about. At least I don't think it is. I don't oh. know if there's any, you know, I don't think everybody wants to be singing about going to Kokomo, Indiana. When you picture Aruba, Jamaica, Bahamas, you think of Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah, I, I do. You know, yeah. The Makes difference. sense. Makes sense. Song came out in 1988. Okay. Number one in the U.S. <laughs> number one. Yeah. And yeah, 25 what? in the U.K. But I wow. like it. I like it. Wow. Anyway. Maybe it came out when people were thinking about taking a beach vacation to so. an island. This is number one. Anyway. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. Now, in that recession retirement rescue game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. You'll get it free of charge delivered from the post office to your front door. There you go. All right, so uh, we have this been a, an email morning, and of course, uh, we have uh, more emails. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. And hey, listeners, if you have a question for Marcus, just visit warrenwealth.net. Click on the Ask Marcus button to ask us your question. It might be featured on the show, maybe. Okay, next one today is from Laura, who is also in Louisville. She says, I know you're supposed to buy in a down market, but how do we know whether this is the bottom? What if I buy and I still lose money? Um, Wow. Um, Laura, 
I hate to say this, but I don't know, Laura. I have no crystal ball. You know, I know uh, people always look for certainty in a, yes. in a world of, of uncertainty or during uncertain times. Uh, you know, but the bottom line is, how do we know whether we're at the bottom of this market? We don't. Um, and I always say you have to control what you can control. And generally what uh, investors and retirees can control is how they invest their money. And like I, I said earlier in the first segment, when um, that gentleman, Oscar, I believe his name was, he um, was asking if he should put his retirement savings in, in cash. You know, I said, you know what, you, you, you don't um, want to make any rash decisions or any emotional decisions. Um, what you should do is you should be properly diversified. That means having uh, investments that are um, in safer things like CDs, uh, short-term fixed bonds, fixed income, things of that nature. But um, uh, Laura, I don't know if you're close to retirement, in the middle of retirement, middle of retirement, or you're far away from retirement, and that makes a difference too on how you're allocated. But regardless of that, you have to have a long-term view. And historically, the market generally ends up on the upside over the long term, and you have to just make sure that you are allocated correctly. I know you hear that diversification word all the time. People hear it all the time. And really, you just it, you hear it all the time because it's tried and true by making sure you have investments in all those categories, some in stocks, some in bonds, maybe a little bit in real estate. Um, you have domestic, you have international, you have stuff in the service sector, in the manufacturing sector, tech sector. You just have to make sure that, um, you know, as you look at your investment portfolio, that you have built one based on your risk tolerance. And when we have these ups and downs, like we always do, you don't make those rash decisions. So there you go. All right. All right, let's do another. Next one is from Mike, who is in Shelbyville. We've got kind of a wide range of listeners. Got some uh, Indiana. Hey, the number one show in the region. There we go. Marcus Warren Show. Take that. Mike, Mike says, I've read about Roth conversions, but I can't really figure out if it makes sense for me. I really like the Roth IRA and wish I knew about them when I was younger. Now I'm trying to decide if I should convert my IRA to Roth. What are your thoughts? Um, this is a good one because this is what you know we, we talk about a lot here. Um, you know, the value that, that we provide to our investors um, and our clients is the fact that we're not, we don't just focus on uh, investments and retirement planning, but we also focus on and we're experts more importantly, on taxes and tax planning. Um, D, you're a, a tax enrolled agent. I'm a tax enrolled agent, which means that we are well-versed on tax law strategy and theory. And so when you're talking about doing a Roth conversion, a Roth conversion is basically when you're taking money from your tax-deferred bucket, uh, 401ks, IRAs, whatever that may be, and you're converting them into your Roth. And remember what a Roth does, when you have money in a Roth, it grows tax-deferred, and then you take it out, and it's tax-free. So it basically grows tax-free, Right. And so um, it could be a good strategy depending on your specific situation. Um, but generally, we work under the assumption that taxes are going to be a lot higher in the future than they are now, right? We are in the lowest tax rate environment that we've ever seen in a generation. Uh, unfortunately, those tax rates and tax cuts are going to go away. And they go away December 31st, 2025. And so we know for a fact that going into 2026, taxes are going to be higher. And so the question is, does it make sense now to pay the tax at the lower rate while taxes are on sale 
and then position it in that Roth, that tax-free account. And so if taxes happen to go up or when they go up in 2026, or even if they go higher after that, you don't have to worry about it because you've already, you've already paid taxes at the lower rate. And so, oh, and then there's also a bonus. And what is that bonus? See here, um, Mike, we like to make lemonade out of lemons. And right now we're in this uh, bear market where a lot of people's investments are down 15 to 25%. Now, those are the lemons. Let's talk about the lemonade. So say you're down 15 to 25% in your uh, tax-deferred bucket, and you do a conversion, and you move those investments, those same investments, over to your Roth. So you're moving those at a discount. And we know generally, for the most part, the stock market moves up in the future. So now, in addition to having the tax savings, now what you're also having is you're going to now, when, when those funds and those investments, those stocks, whatever they are, when they recover, now they're recovering tax-free. That, my friend, is how we make lemonade out of those lemons. And so, you know, is it right for you? I always say you need to go make sure you talk to a good tax professional. Of course, you can... Uh, Give our office uh, a shout out or you can uh, go to warrenwealth.net, pull up my calendar and we can kind of discuss where you are because you have to be uh, judicious and efficient in the way that you do these conversions. Because remember, it's a taxable event and you don't want to do too much or jump you up into the higher tax bracket and then you're kind of it kind of doesn't make sense. So you have to make sure that you uh, work with a professional who can guide you along that process. All right. And by the way, it's not anything that you just, you know, set it and forget it and say, OK, I'm going to move fifty thousand dollars every year from my uh, IRA, from my traditional IRA to my Roth. No, it doesn't work like that. Things change. Tax codes change. Tax laws change. You have to make sure that you're doing the right thing each and every year. That's why you need to talk to a professional. You know, there's a running joke amongst financial and tax professionals where when a client or, or somebody, an individual asks them a question about finances or about taxes, their response usually is, it depends. Yeah. Right. And it really is it, it re- because it really is that, that it really is their response. It really does depend on f- personal situations. Yep. I talked with a couple this week who both have pensions and pensions are always going to, their pensions are always going to be taxable. They're always going to be in those middle brackets from now until they continue receiving those pensions. And so they asked if it makes sense for them to complete any Roth conversions. And in their case, it did, because once you hit RMD age and you take that money out, it just gets added on top of all of your other income. You're you're forced to take that money out, even if you don't need it. And it goes up every year after that, too. And it goes up every year after that, yeah. So maybe it makes sense. I mean, in their situation, it made sense, but it really is a question of it depends. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right. We got one more email. Let's, uh, let's answer that bad boy. Okay. Patricia in Louisville says, if I start collecting social security benefits and I'm still working, will I get taxed or penalized? All right. Uh, uh, Patricia, I'll be, um, we we got a few minutes left. Um, so it it depends. No. (laughs) (laughs) So if, if you're, if you are younger than full retirement age and full retirement age for most people, is around 66 and a half uh, to 67. Right now, it's, we'll just say 67. So if you're younger than for retirement age, then uh, it can make a difference. So uh, you can take 
or anyone can take Social Security, if you're eligible for it, you can take Social Security as early as 62. Now, if you take it earlier than your full retirement age, so if you take it uh, at 62 and your full retirement age is 67 and you still continue to work, yes, you can be penalized um, for working while you're taking Social Security. All right, that's number one. And then you also ask, can you be taxed? Yes, anytime you uh, have money that, that, that comes in, whether it's from Social Security um, or your income, and you hit certain thresholds, you can be taxed also. So you are, in essence, paying some sort of tax. Generally, if you take early uh, Social Security and you're working, you're penalized $1 for every $2 you make over a certain threshold. And that threshold is around $17,000, $18,000. So if you're making more than that and taking Social Security early, then you do have to pay that penalty, so to speak. And then, of course, depending on what is called your provisional income, you are then paying uh, additional taxes um, on that too. Now, if you're over full retirement age, so if you're 67 years old and older or whatever your full retirement age is, and you start collecting social security and you're still working, uh, whether that's a full-time job, a side hustle, a part-time job, whatever it is, you are not penalized for working while you're taking social security. So you don't have that for every $2 you make, you're penalized $1. That is gone. Now, are you taxed? Well, that also depends on what other income you have coming in, which is called provisional income. But if you have too much other income coming in and you're getting Social Security, then and you are over certain thresholds, up to 85% of your Social Security can then be taxed. So um, once again, this is the theme. That's why I always say when you're in retirement, even before you retire, a little bit before you retire, that's why you need to work with a good fiduciary advisor who can walk you along social security, how to maximize that, how to save money in taxes like we do. Um, if you should get an I bond, um, how inflation or interest rates are going to affect your lifestyle or your portfolio, whatever that may be. That's why you need to make sure you have that guidance. So there you go. Thank you, D. And all the questions we receive via email. Once again, remember, you can go to warrenwealth.net. Click Ask Marcus and uh, your email may be read on the air. All right, coming up next, we'll get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. I'm bad here. Yes, that's the name of the song. Here You Come Again. Uh, Dolly Parton. Good old Dolly. The song came out in 1977. Okay. Number three in the U.S. All right. The, uh, top 100 hit in the U.K. There okay. you go. Not bad. Number three here in the U.S. Yeah. She does a lot of good work. Dolly Parton, she does a lot. She's really good. good. No, yeah. She's a true philanthropist and got Dollywood over in Tennessee. It's really good. Yeah. So bad. Just happy, joyful. Always, you yeah. Know. You know, positive. Yeah. Good peeps. Good peeps. Yes. All right. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember, you can request your retirement rescue game plan. Let me say that again. You can request your recession retirement rescue game plan. R cubed. R cubed. Just by going to warrenwealth.net, you put in your information, and that retirement rescue. Recession game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door 
All you got to go, go, all you got to do is go to warrenwealth.net. You'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports and access to my webinar entitled taxes in retirement. You have to protect your money from all the threats that are out there, especially the IRS. Once again, warrenwealth.net. All right. Um, it's that time. It's time to get into some news you can use. Well, after agreeing to buy Twitter in April for $44 billion, then threatening to walk away from the deal before reversing and committing to see through the acquisition because he was sued, Elon Musk is officially the new owner of Twitter. Yeah. He fired several Twitter executives after completing his takeover of You're the fired. company. Yes, you fired. Exactly. You fired that to the CEO, the CFO, their top legal and policy executive, and their general counsel. Now, for those who don't know and are interested, Musk offered to buy Twitter in April for fifty-four dollars and twenty cents a share, which is like two to three times higher than what the company is valued. And in the months since the deal was struck, he faced some uh, Twitter faced some efforts by Musk to abandon the deal. There was also a whistleblower complaint in which Twitter's former head of security accused the company of security and privacy problems. Of course, Musk said that Twitter is full of bots and that that was uh, undisclosed when he offered to buy the deal. Uh, but it went through the New York Stock Exchange suspended Twitter shares from trading. The stock closed Thursday at $53.70 and the company or the deal took the company private so you can no longer buy Twitter shares. There in you the go. Market. So, um, you know, this this played out. It was interesting the, the way the way that it played out. Um, you know, first he bought a little bit of it. Yes. Um, and said he was going to come in and just try to make some changes. And then he said he'd buy all of it. Yes. And uh, made an offer and then tried to back out. And then the courts came in and said, sorry, buddy, um, you have to buy. You signed the dotted line, dude. Yep. You signed the dotted line. You have to buy mm-hmm. this uh, uh, dumpster fire um, <laughs> of a company for a lot more uh, than what it's worth. And uh, I think this is one of those things, and I've heard this going to go down as one of the worst deals in history. Terrible idea. That, uh, Way I mean, was it $44 billion? Is that how much $44 billion is billion dollars how much he had spent. Worth a quarter of that. I mean, it, yes. it's, it's going to be interesting to, to see what he does. Though. I mean, maybe you know he'll focus on that. I know he has a lot of, uh, what is it, uh, plates Ball, spinning a lot mm-hmm. of, yeah, spinning a lot of plates. Mm, um, and so we'll, we'll see how it does. I know he's... Um, you know, talked about a super app. Yes. Talked about letting uh, Trump back on there. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Free speech, him. making it more. You know, it's well, funny. He pledged to commit to limit content speech. moderation in favor of um, emphasizing free speech. But that didn't go so well with some advertisers who advertise on the platform. And so he had to release a statement uh, afterwards saying that basically he wants the company to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner. Although in typical Elon Musk fashion, it's funny um, because he... um, uh, on the on Thursday when he took over, he posted a video of him walking into Twitter headquarters while carrying a kitchen sink. And he tweeted, let that sink in. Gosh. Yes. Anyway, what yes. else you got? I'm serious, done. serious CEO there. The U.S. economy grew in the third quarter, but showed some signs of a broad slowdown as consumer and business spending faltered under high inflation, of course, and rising interest rates. So GDP, gross domestic product, which is a measure of goods and services produced across the nation, that grew 2.6%. Um, 
year-over-year. Year. Um, trade contributed to most of the third quarter's turnaround. Of course, consumer spending grew at a, at a smaller pace. It's interesting that consumer spending is still growing in spite of the high inflation and the high interest rates. Uh, the reason, I think, for that is um, labor shortage. Works, works, uh, consumers are benefiting from a tight labor market. Employers are holding on to workers. They're giving them more benefits. They're um, uh, being competitive with higher wages. And so as a result, consumer spending has kind of stayed flat. It hasn't uh, gone down as much as the Fed hopes. <laughs> yeah, and that's why uh, interest rates will probably continue to go up because yes. we're supposed to slow down some of this spending and it's been flat. It hasn't gone down yet, but, uh, you know, with, with, with the uh, pending recession or the recession looming, um, technically we're in one, folks, but um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how all this plays out. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the other consequences of rising interest rates is that the U.S. dollar is experiencing a once-in-a-generation rally. So um, the index that tracks the uh, dollar's currency against a basket of others uh, has risen more than 14% in 2022, on track for its biggest year since 1985. Other currencies are dropping, and that's mainly because foreign investors are taking their money to the U.S. because our interest rates are going up, so yeah, they can so, yeah. um, make a little bit more money. I'm telling you. It's a uh, yeah, strong U.S. dollar. Um, you know, interest rates are going up. We have the best uh, credit for the most part in the world. People want to invest in, in our bonds. And yeah. uh, there you go. That's it. All right, let's do another. Okay, we were talking about I-bonds earlier, and many investors were scrambling, scrambling to buy I-bonds, which, like you said, pay a 9.62 interest rate if they have to be have been purchased by October 28th. So unfortunately, if you haven't gotten yours yet, you won't get that rate. The Treasury Direct website says that they they have to purchase them a few days before the end of the period in order to too get late now, that peeps. rate. It's too, too late, late now, now, people. And so many people were scrambling to buy them that it overwhelmed the site. The shocking. It's a government website. It's shocking. already not user friendly, and its servers were overloaded by people who were scrambling to buy I-bonds. The Treasury did say that they issued $1.95 billion in I-bonds in the final week in October, Mm. which is more than the total for the entire fiscal year in 2021. So in the last week in October, they (laughs) issued more I-bonds than the total uh, year in 2021. Makes sense. Yeah, well, of course it makes sense because that's what we do. It's like whatever it may be, whether it's crypto, whether it's tulips back in the 1600s, whether it's the internet craze, we, you know, people get excited, they hear about something and they go get it. The interesting thing, um, and what I said earlier, is the fact that what most people are going to be shocked, even though all they got to do is read what they're investing in, is that that 9.62% that they think that they have isn't locked in for 30 years. Uh, I'm sure they think that that's what it is. It's not even locked in for a year. It's not even locked in for a year. It's six months, people. And I know a lot of people are thinking, dang, I'm going to get this for the next 30 years and do their calculations, and then they're going to figure out that that first six months or whatever, you made that 9.62. The next six months, you made, say, six. So now over the year, that's averaged out to around seven and a half. And then the next year, it drops down. The next six months, it drops down again to about 4%. So now your annualized return is a lot lower. It's about 6%. And then it drops down again. And then you have an annualized return of around 3 or 4%, which isn't bad for a government-issued bond mm-hmm. or anything like that. However, it's not the expectation of what I think a lot of these investors thought they got into. Yep. All right. You're thank you, Dee, right. for that news you can use 
And if we stopped there, I know everybody would be fine. But then, actually, everybody wouldn't be fine no. because they yearn and they want more. And what they really want is the news that you can't use. A major competition finally has a new winner. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about the uh, baseball playoffs. Uh, I'm really? What ref- about cricket? I'm not talking no. about cricket. Pickleball? Pickleball, no, not pickleball oh. championships. I am referring to, you got another one? Um, uh, uh, NFL uh, regular Wait, season no. games? No. No. Okay, no, no, I am referring to the USA mullet championships. Oh yes, that's right. The winner of the best. Was, was that held here in uh, Kentucky? It was no? not held in Kentucky. West Virginia? No. Um, the it, it's actually a nationwide competition, so you oh, can enter. Is. Yeah, nationwide contestants yeah. enter this contest. Mullets have no boundaries. What am I talking about? They have no boundaries. If you want to rock a mullet, you can be coast to coast. You could be from Florida, which uh, some parts may be expected. But we're talking New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, some parts may be expected. California. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. Some parts may. Yeah, I guess. Well, uh, anyway. no boundaries. Like no you boundaries. Said. So the winner of the best business in the front party in the back hairstyle has officially. Been crowned Scott Salvador of Stillwater, New York. That's what I want to tell you. I said New York could be your. Refers to his mullet as the Lord's Drapes. He's been growing and maintaining it for the past four and a half years, and he just won the America's Best Mullet title and a $2,500 prize. Oh, paid off. He's been working a good four years. See? Yes. Pays off. It's just not what he did on the mullet competition day. Yes. It's the work that he put in the four and a half years prior, yes. which is why now, what's his name again? Scott Salvador. Scott Salvador is the mullet champion of the world. Yes. That, my friend, is what is called hard work, dedication. It's really what we all need to look up to and try to incorporate in our lives. Yes. You know, where we can win, work so hard, and then get to the pinnacle of our of that success mm-hmm. and then be crowned a champion yes just like uh what's his name again scott salvador <laughs> scott salvador was congratulations all right thank you d for that news you can't use and we all know what that music means it means we've come to the end of the show i want to thank everyone for listening have a great week and take it easy on this sunday thank you for listening to the marcus warren show For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.